Naturopathic Essentials with herbalist and aromatherapist Kate McCall. Each episode, Kate will highlight an element of aromatherapy or herbalism that will optimize your health, as well as interview colleagues in her field. Sit back, flip on your diffuser, and bask in the beauty of naturopathy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kate's Apothecary. I have been quite busy lately, so I haven't been able to do as many podcasts as I had hoped. As most of you know, I'm also a full-time school teacher, and school is getting ready to start, so um, I have been having to wear too many hats and had to take one off for a little while, Um, but hopefully I will have my frankincense um, podcast out soon, because that is my next oil that I'm going to focus on. So Don't forget that I have been posting some free PDFs on the website under freebies. So go check those out. You can print them off and and keep them handy. Sometimes it's nice to print them and follow along when you're listening to the podcast. Um, Or just have them in your little arsenal. Um, They just have interesting stuff on them. Like, for example, the peppermint one, it has, you know, uses for peppermint. It has a recipe on there. It talks a little bit about the history of peppermint. So check it out. Also, the other freebie that's up is the top 10 essential oils you should have for your home medicine chest or your, um, just, it's a great starter tool for you to begin the process of using essential oils. Again, thank you so much for all your support. The listens um, for the podcast have been increasing more and more every day, and I appreciate you so much for doing that. If you're listening and if you're liking it, please leave a review on iTunes just so I, I can get feedback from you. I love hearing it. Just today, I read one from Steph. Thank you, Steph. I appreciate it. Um, so do that. Post on iTunes, uh, even just a couple words to, you know, what you like about the podcast. I'd really appreciate it. So this episode is a brief uh, Q&A that I do with Gregory. We discuss um, a couple of things, some herbal remedies, some essential oil recipes for babies and children, um, and other things. So it's going to jump right into that episode, and I hope you enjoy. Um, Once again, thanks for all your support. Don't forget to leave review and visit me on social media. Talk soon. Bye. Enjoy the episode. You've tuned in to Naturopathic Earth Radio with certified health consultant and former obese child A. Gregory Luna where you get the latest on clean living, natural remedies, effective weight loss tips, and sound naturopathic principles from experts and biohackers from around the world and Gregory himself. Don't be a slave to big pharma. Break free of the shackles of big food and start your journey now to a long, vibrant, purposeful life. Become a citizen of naturopathic earth. Hey everybody, this is A. Gregory Luna. Of course, you can call me Gregory. And this is Kate McCall. Kate McCall's in the house (laughs) for Q&A number three. Three, yeah. So before we begin, 
Just want to mention you can find all of our articles at naturopathicearth.com as well as our food recipes and our essential oil recipes. So let's get to the questions. Kate, how have you been? I've been great. Anything interesting going on in mid-August? I know school's kicking up for the kiddos. Yes, I sent my kids to school yesterday for the first time. This year. And then she sang, cool in the gangs, celebrate good times. Come on. Yeah, that's true. And then when we go back to school, <laughs> it'll be wah, 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 wah. That's Chopin's yep. funeral march. Yeah, yeah. So that's what's going on. And it's hot. It's hot. It's hot in Texas, right? Yes, 101 today yeah. is the high. Yeah. All right. Uh, did you listen to Dr. Nine's interview? I did. Yeah, wasn't she great? Yes, it was wonderful. Yeah. I love listening to, to that and learning all about naturopathic medicine. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating stuff. Yeah. Great. Okay, well, let's go to question number one. We got one from Joni. And Joni asks, what essential oils can be useful for school-age kids? Ooh, how timely. Well, I will take this one. In fact, I used one today, Joni. Um, I was preparing my kids for school. I, I get them breakfast and then I go around the table and I do their hair. I know that's terrible, but I have to multitask. So I am spraying their hair, getting it all wet, you know, to comb. And in that spray, I put some things that help them. So I put a little bit of lemon in there, some tea tree, and just one little drop of rosemary. And what do each of those things do? Like, what's the purpose of each of those? That's a great question. Let me go ahead and explain and that. I did not even tell her I was going to ask her that. Just, that's, that's just the question that someone would ask. Yes. Like, why those three? And I want to tell you why. Okay. Lemon is an invigorating oil. So it's a great oil to wake up the brain, to wake up the central nervous system, to get that sluggish morning going. So lemon is great. Not only that, it's also antibacterial. Wow. Yes. Wow. Okay. Now, now you spray this in their hair, like, like a hairspray or just so they can inhale it or what? They... Well, what, yes, they inhale it as I'm spraying it on their hair. I just get, you know how, if you're, if you were a mother, you'd know. Okay. Yes. When you're trying to comb a kid's hair, it's difficult. Now let me just tell you, Gregory doesn't have hair. Oh, but I have a nice story to tell you that you don't know this story. <laughs> I used to have hair and I don't think there's any pictures on social media where I used to have hair, but I told this story to Kate. My hair was so unruly when I was in high school because I had a lot of hair. I'd literally have to dip my head in the sink. I'd fill the sink up with water and dip my head in there. And then only after that could I use a brush. And it was one of those those brushes that are circular that you put your hands to the back of. And it's like, I think you use for afros. I actually think they're afro brushes. But a regular comb would not comb my hair. It was so unruly. So I had to dip my head in the sink. And now look at me now. It's all gone, folks. It's all gone. And I did post that question on Facebook, like how, how do women prefer to, <laughs> like it was like Prince William, right? We all know who Prince William is, the heir to the throne. I honestly think he'd look better if he just shaved his hair because his, his hairline's gone. I mean, his, it's receding hair. He's, he just looks bad. I think he's a good looking guy. I think if he just goes and Patrick Stewart it, he would look much better. Hmm. So I posted that question and, and a lot of women were saying that, keep it as is. I think it was like 65, keep it as is, 35, shave it, and then no one said anything about plugs. Oh, yeah. 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 I'm the, I say shave it. Shave it. Yeah. Yeah. I like a bald head. Yes. But going back to your your spray story, just just Speaking of hair, you know, so what, what is the one thing you worry about when you send your kids to school, assuming they have hair? Lice? Yes, lice, exactly. So the tea tree in this little spray will help repel lice. So that's why I put a drop of tea tree in there. 
Incidentally, lemon also does that, but tea tree is very strong lice repellent. So I, I do want to mention that in one of the articles I wrote, I think it was on the I, the IARC's Class Two A carcinogen list. I remember doing research on that, and one of the most common sprays that they use to get lice out is a possible carcinogen. Yeah, that's so it's good scary. for something for a mm-hmm. natural remedy solution for lice. Well, it's prevention. And that's yeah. the best way because nobody wants to have lice and it's nobody. It's terrifying. My kids had lice about five months ago, but they were only out the day that they noticed it. And then I guess once you kill it, they let you go back. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, because you've never had to deal with it because you, <laughs> you have this great spray. That's not necessarily true that I've had to deal with it. You've My had lice? kids have had lice before. Yeah. I always That's what happens it, when you have they, 65 kids, right? You just, the odds are stacked against you. It happened to me, and trust me, I was, oh, it was so bad. And moms that know what it's like to have lice know what I'm talking about. It's like you hear the word, and you immediately start itching, and you want to clean every inch of your house and wash every pillow or burn it all. That's how I felt. But do you so. think it's part of like a stigma? Like if you, if other moms find out they're like, oh, you had lice, they assume that you live in this cesspool of a house because it's it has nothing to do with No, it has lint, absolutely right? nothing to do with that. Honestly, lice prefer clean hair. It's easier to climb on a clean hair shaft for the lice. So they would prefer a clean head. So you might think that it's, oh, the child is dirty or whatever. It's not necessarily the case. So, so. The, the moral of the story is hoarders, keep hoarding <laughs> and keeping your house dirty. You won't get lice at least. That's not what I'm saying. All right, so go, go back to your spray. So the spray. Yeah. Um, now, like what I'm telling you is I always use the spray forever on my kids' hair, on my boys, on my girls, just so I can get a comb through it, make their hair cute, you know. But I just added a few drops this morning to prepare them for school. So tea tree to prevent lice. Lemon to help wake them up, and then rosemary to help them excel in school to improve their memory and get them ready to learn. So. On a side note, I used to sniff rosemary in quiz ball competitions. I think I mentioned this once, but when I was in college, I did quiz ball, which is an academic competition where it's like Jeopardy. And I was on a real good team when I was in the University of Alaska. And so we had heard back in the 90s, way back when, when the internet was not even really that, that well established, that sniffing rosemary helped with, with quick retrieval of facts. So we went to these tournaments, these regional tournaments in Washington State, uh, and had bags of rosemary, Kate, where we would literally, during the match, and we'd have we'd be against a team, you know, and there would be a moderator, just like Jeopardy, had a buzz in an answer. We'd be sniffing bags of rosemary. Now, this is Washington State, but this is pre-legalization <laughs> of marijuana, Washington State. So we were just pulling rosemary from plants that we found around uh, in, in around the university, it was at University of Washington, and we were just sniffing it, and everyone thought we were so weird, but we knew better. Oh, oh. And because of that, we actually won the tournament that time, and we got to go to the National Quiz Bowl uh, tournament, which was in Boston. And if any of you know anything about Alaska, getting out of Alaska in February to go anywhere is an improvement, so it was a great thing. And you attribute it all to the rosemary. That's right. Rosemary's great. <laughs> Rosemary's great. Great. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, I also wanted to mention there on my lemon um, podcast, I actually talk about another recipe for focus. I think it was my lemon. Yeah. So I give you a, a recipe right on that podcast for focus. And I talk about my seven-year-old boy um, and I make a little roll on for him to put on his wrists in the morning. That's another opportunity for you to... Um, use essential oils on your school age kids. That's great. Anything else you want to mention? 
No. All right. <laughs> All right. We got the next question. This is from Tammy. Tammy wants to talk about or wants me to talk about alternative treatments for cancer. She says she had a friend that was recently diagnosed with breast cancer, very young in her 30s, and that the doctors are uh, pushing for the, the, the traditional, and this is in my words, but the traditional cut, burn, and uh, radiate therapy, which is, you know, chemo, surgery, and radiation. And she wanted me to just highlight or talk about some not, some alternative treatments for cancer. This is very controversial, Tammy, very controversial, because for a couple of reasons, cancer, as you expect, is a very sensitive topic to discuss. It's very sensitive. When you're diagnosed with cancer, and I haven't, but statistically, there's a 50% chance I will, because as I mentioned in previous podcasts, one in three women will be diagnosed with it and one in two men. Sometimes I think I get that statistic flipped, but it's high. It is high. The, the, the incidence of cancer and the prevalence is very high. So when you are diagnosed with cancer, especially if it's, if it's very aggressive, if it's, uh, it's, if it's progressing very quickly, you are probably are in a tailspin. You're freaking out, especially if you're young. Let's say the, Tammy mentioned this girl was in her 30s. You probably have kids. Uh, you, you're just panicking, right? You're, you're so young. You have your whole life. You have your kids to think about. And so the doctors typically are going to be rush, 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 rush. They're like, we need to start radiation now. We got to start chemo now. We got to cut out this tumor now. Push, 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 push. And if you are raised in the milieu of traditional allopathic uh, medicine, you're going to be like, okay, well, these are the only treatments, right? It's going to be chemo, radiation, surgery, depending on how advanced the cancer is. Luckily, if it's just stage one, maybe you can just cut it out. But if it's a more advanced stage, uh, might, you might have to have more interventions. And, you know, the joke about chemo, the, well, the joke about oncologists is that uh, there was a poll that was done, I can't remember how long ago, but in the poll, it stated that even oncologists wouldn't give chemo to people in their own family. Because one of the unheard of things that, that are mentioned about chemo, or one of the things that, that isn't talked about, is that chemo is largely ineffective. Now, I am not a doctor, and I'm not diagnosing any diseases or anything like that, but from what I've read and what I've heard is that chemo is very ineffective, and it's really only effective in a couple of cancers. And if I remember correctly, it's a Wilms tumor, which is a kidney cancer, testicular cancer, and one of the lymphomas, I believe. And and then that's really it. That They show some signs that it works on those, but as a whole, it just kills your body. It just poisons all your good cells, all your healthy cells, as well as the bad cells. And so I'm sure a lot of you know, just from anecdotes of family members who were on chemo and that they died. And, and you think lots of times they died of the cancer, but many times they die of uh, the chemo because it just destroys the body, exhausts the body's immune system. I had an aunt, my mother's sister, who had breast cancer when she was in her 60s, and she died of um, when she was in remission after chemo. She caught uh, pneumonia in, in the winter, just, you know, she got pneumonia and died a week later. And this is very characteristic. Chemo also is extremely expensive. So some of the, the natural treatments that I would that I would mention, and, and again, I don't have all the studies in front of me. I'm just going to throw out some things that are reputed to be 
uh, treatments for cancer that have been around for decades. So, for example, high-dose vitamin C, intravenous vitamin C. Uh, this treatment goes back to Linus Pauling, who is a very famous American scientist who I've mentioned in previous podcasts. He had studies demonstrating that intravenous high-dose vitamin C uh, was effective in treating various forms of cancer. Another one is the Gerson therapy. Gerson was a professor back, ooh, I want to say in the 50s or 60s, and he came up with a cocktail that was effective in treating cancer uh, as well. Uh, there's some people that believe CBD oil, which is the, the cannabinoid oil from marijuana, from the, the, the cannabis plant, uh, can be effective. There's a lot of people that believe ozone therapy is effective in treating cancer. There's people that believe hyperbaric or pure oxygen is another thing that helps. Um, and a lot of these things too. If if you if you if you go online, you know you had these people like this this cures cancer, that cures cancer. And a lot of these people were thrown in jail because they actually had no evidence of it. Uh, but these are some things. But I think it's it, it's important to understand that these are alternative treatments. And a lot of these, turmeric, for example, curcumin, which is the active ingredient in turmeric, has shown to be very effective. Apple cider vinegar, lemon juice. But my point of this is this. Even if you don't want to go off chemo and radiation and all the things that the, the traditional way, uh, because you have firm faith in your doctor's, most of these alternative treatments you can do is a supplement to the main treatment. You could do intravenous vitamin C while you're doing chemo. Why not? I mean, most of these are harmless and they're not going to hurt. But I think the most important thing, and this, this would behoove anybody in terms of those in remission and just in general to avoid cancer, a lot of show, studies showing fasting. Intermittent fasting has been effective, at least in rats, and minimizing tumor growth. Also, a ketogenic diet or a high-fat diet. I think a lot of you know that sugar excess, sugar puts the body in inflammation, which can later then uh, feed tumor growth. Because the, the belief is that we all have cancer, which is unregulated cell growth, but our body is able to put it in check. But if we're, when it gets to the point where the body can't put it in check, uh, that's when you start noticing visible tumors. But either way, uh, sugar, refined sugars, leads or fuels tumor growth, whereas ketogenic diet doesn't allow tumors to grow and they can't tap into that fat. So I don't know. I would say that either way, if anyone, uh, Tammy, is diagnosed with cancer or if your friend was diagnosed with cancer, I would strongly recommend to her to change her her eating. Definitely get her off all the Zen estrogens, all the, all the hormone disruptors, all the things that can cause cancer. And we've talked about them ad nauseum on this podcast on the stream. So the plastics, the parabens, the phthalates, the fluoride, clean eating, get all the glyphosate out. So buy organic because glyphosate is just horrible. Try to eat a pretty alkaline diet. You know, a lot of people will say that vegan diet, eating raw vegetables would help. But again, it doesn't hurt to drink a lot of lemon juice, a lot of uh, curcumin or turmeric, drink some apple cider vinegar and eat keto, clean eating and stuff like that. None of that stuff would hurt. So that's what I would recommend. But the main thing is when you're diagnosed like that, get a second opinion. Don't rush. Don't rush because there's so many cases of women who get their uterus cut out or their breast cut out uh, within like a week or two of the diagnosis because the doctor's pushing and pushing and pushing. And you remember, this doctor's not you're in your body. It's not their body. They're cutting. So they can be pretty cavalier and say, oh, you need to get a total mastectomy because it's not their body. So just slow it down. Get a second opinion recommend that she do research, maybe find a naturopathic doctor or, or a holistic medicine doctor, an MD, 
or even an, an, I want to say there's like a natural oncologist because I mean, they're one of the few doctors that profits by prescribing the drug that they want you to take because I mean, they're essentially chemical pill doctors, but maybe find a cancer doctor that is a little more into natural remedies because there are hosts of them out there. Some of them might work. And again, aside from most of them don't have adverse effects. So the, the kind of belief is just what's the harm of trying? Just give it a shot and try some of these natural remedies. All right, let's go to a commercial. Are you guys feeling sluggish? You got that lethargy, got a little anxiety. Maybe you have a little athlete's foot. Well, as you know, essential oils are a great cure, a natural cure for these problems. So why don't you contact Kate through Naturopathic Earth and she can make you a nice essential oil blend that can help remove whatever malady is bothering you. Also, I would recommend that you please listen to Naturopathic Earth Radio. Over on MP Radio, we have a lot of tips for avoiding food toxins and air toxins and how to eat well and eat clean and how to lose weight. So please go check that out on Apple Podcasts, as well as Confessions of an Obese Child, which is my personal confession of what it was like to grow up overweight. We separated that from the MP feed, and now it's its own feed. So if you want to listen and find out what it was like for me to grow up overweight, or if you know anybody that was overweight as well, and you think that that hearing these stories would be therapeutic and helpful to them, please forward them to Confessions of an Obese Child. And as always, we'd be very appreciative for any reviews and any feedback. So please contact Kate for an essential oil blend. You can reach her at Kate McCall at naturopathicearth.com, or you can just reach her through the website. Thank you. All right, and we are back. All right, so let's go to question number three. This is from Alicia. She's asking, Kate McCall, what are some natural remedies for fussy newborns? You you would know about that because you, you go. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I would know about that. How is the little baby doing? She's she, five months, right? She's doing so well. She yeah. had a rough patch, but now she's doing really well. Yeah. I just say that because I don't know if she was going through a growth spur or just, she wasn't happy for a little while, but now she's doing wonderfully. She's sleeping through the night. She's a happy little baby. Great. Mm -hmm. Great. So how would you address fussiness? Um, so first of all, babies are fussy for a reason. So there's always an underlying issue to why they're upset. But if you've fed them, if you've burped them, if you've done everything that you can think of, changed them, um, and you know, they're not tired, there are some things that might be able to help, you know, like say an upset stomach, um, say they have something like that. So when I had my fourth baby, I discovered gripe water. My sister who lives in the UK uses something called gripe water. What kind water. of name is gripe? You griping about using it? The kid's griping. I Why do we have to use it? Well, it's a traditional English formula for soothing babies. And she told me about it um, for her babies. And I looked all over for it and I did find it in the pharmacy. So they make it and you can buy it. I guess it's a special water. Something's yeah, infused in the water. Yes, exactly. But mm. you can also make your own gripe water with either dill or fennel, depending on the age of your child. Mm. Um, so if you have a young baby, like brand newborn up to three months of age, you would use probably the dill. It's a little um, more kind to the gentle, tiny little newborn baby. Okay. And then for babies three, three to six months of age, you can use the fennel gripe water. And really, you're just taking the fennel seeds and um, crushing them and boiling them kind of like a tea and then straining out the fennel and using the water. Um, and I can put an, an, a recipe on the website to help to help 
you, Alicia, was her, was it? Yeah. I can put a recipe or I, we can send you a recipe. That's right. We could, we could post that. that recipe next week. Uh, before you continue, I just want to mention fennel is one of the uh, natural herbs that I put in my classroom uh, for as to be a natural fresh uh, fresh breathener. Fresh breathener? No. Breath freshener. See, that's, that's my <laughs> <No>. dyslexia. <laughs> my breath freshener. So I have like a little bowl of it. Kate's seen it. I have a little bowl of it. And I tell the kids, just take a little pinch. This is how we used to freshen the breath before the advent of toxic chewing gum and <laughs> mouthwash and binaca sprays. I don't I think it you're really probably works. too young for binaca sprays. Back yeah. in the 80s, we used to have the... They're like little sprays yeah, that you would buy and they had spearmint <laughs> flavor. Anyways, yeah, so I tell them to grab a pinch of fennel because it, it they, they don't think it, it tastes like it. I think it tastes like a very dull licorice, mm-hmm. but it's natural and it freshens the breath, yeah. you know, so why not have it there, yes. you know? I use sweet fennel oil quite a, quite often. And just to be clear, for this for this gripe water, don't use essential oil. This is actual fennel seeds or dill, okay? Don't use the... Um, essential oil because that's just too um, concentrated. Yes, too concentrated to be put in your baby's tummy. That's good to know. However, if you want to do massage, baby massage, you can use essential oils. Um, and you can use uh, oils like chamomile, lavender, geranium, tangerine, and mandarin. Um, just make sure that it's being diluted correctly and just massage that tummy you know, up and around, up and around from their navel all the way up to their chest and back down with both hands. Gently massage. And I also do it on the back too, same way from the, their tailbone up through their spine and around back down. And it should help relieve some of that gas that they might be feeling. Hmm. Very nice massage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can't make fun of because there's certain words I always mispronounce. Physician. Physician. <laughs> Physician, 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 physician. No, I can't say it. Physician, physician, physician. Yes, I have problems saying that. Massage and then catch up. I say catch up. I I, I can't ever hear how you say that wrong. The the students make fun of me because it's catch up, and I say catch up, like you're gonna catch up. Yeah. Anything else on that question? Um, no, I think those are good. Great. All right. Okay, we got Tom with question number four. It's uh, natural sweeteners that are not sugar. He wants to know what I use to sweeten food that's not sugar. He wants to try to get away from sugar, like the actual sugar, sugar cane, sugar beets. Beets. Yeah, sorry. I can do the beatbox. Anyway, so he, he wants to get away from actual sugar. And what are some natural sweeteners? I, I think this is a great question. Uh my go-to, if I had to pick a natural sweetener, probably would be dates. I know dates are kind of weird, and you're, you're probably thinking I'm going to say honey or, or stevia or something like that, but we're not going to count stevia and the artificial sweeteners because they're not really real. I know stevia comes from a plant in South America, but we're talking about like real sweeteners. So in the land of molasses and... Uh, maple syrup and honey and whatnot, I would go with dates. And one of the reasons is because dates are actual fruits. And if you're able to blend in the dates, you're going to get the fiber that's in the dates. And you really can't say that as much with some of the other sweeteners. But I would go with the dates. They're full of phytonutrients and they taste great and they naturally sweeten your food. Um, I, I guess honorable mentions, I really don't have a problem with honey, especially if you get organic honey, try to 
try to get organic on that because again, a lot of phytonutrients and it's going to have a lot of vitamins and minerals that you're not getting when you're going to get with cane sugar or, or sugar beets or heaven forbid, high fructose corn syrup, which is just toxic garbage. But you are going to get vitamins and minerals, and you can you can say that about maple syrup as well. So maple syrup, molasses, but molasses comes from sugar. They heat up sugar. So I would really go with dates as number one, but if you don't want to like puree the dates and all that, probably I would say, uh, probably I would go with honey and then maple syrup. Now, uh, we're not talking about the sugar substitutes like xylitol and malitol, urethritol. We're not going to be talking about artificial sweeteners. We're not going to talk about the other kind of sugar opportunities that are out there, even stevia, but I'm talking about like actual natural foods. I would probably go with dates as the sweetener of choice. But if you can't do that, probably go with honey, but just use sparingly, uh, maybe once a day on a serving, you know, don't go, don't go overboard on it. So that's what I would probably say. All right, so let's get to the fun part, at least one of the more funner parts for me. I like to say when students say that. Funner. The funner, <laughs> the stupider parts. Um, let, let's go through the rapid fire questions here. So I have to laud Kate because she, the whole world watches Game of Thrones, right? She had never watched it. Actually, I think she watched like the first five, six episodes of season one. A couple, Just last year, though. Last year. And she was like, this is too hard. There's too many characters. Da, da, da. But, no, that's not okay, what I Okay, what's the reason? There was too much nudity. Oh, yeah. And too much blood and violence. Yeah. Well, Little, little Fingers Brothel. I, I've told Kate that this theory that I have is like most premium cable shows, they intentionally put in a lot of TNA and sex in the early episodes to hook the guy in. And if you notice, Game of Thrones is no exception. They wean off the explicit sex, the gratuitous sex as the season goes on because they've already hooked in the guy because the guy's already wired to think that it's going to be coming again. So this is a classic maneuver that TV channels, especially the premium ones that can show nudity do. So notice that the next time a new show comes on, there's a lot of sex at the beginning. It could be even the first scene of the first episode. Uh, they tend to do that. But either way, so she stopped watching it for a year, but all of our friends watch it, right? It's the world's show. And she was like, I, I want to I want to catch up. I want to be in the zeitgeist. So she impressively watched all at 60, I guess if you watch half a season one, like 55 episodes in about, what? Three weeks? Three weeks? No. A week? It was way more spread out than that. Was it? Maybe like a month. A month? Remember, I'm a teacher. <laughs> yeah, well, this was during this summer, You're but... You're making me sound so lazy. No, everyone binge watches stuff. <laughs> you you mentioned you binge watch Gilmore Girls. That's true. You still haven't gone I gotta that, do right? something while I'm nursing. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Crossword puzzles, you like to do that too. But, um, so she watched all of Game of Thrones and she finally caught up. So she's in season seven. So in honor of that, I want to ask her, what's her, who, who is her favorite Game of Thrones character? Not necessarily who you relate to the most. I posted that on Facebook, which Game of Thrones character you relate to the most, but I want to ask her, who are your favorites? So name a couple and let, let's not do like the obvious ones. Cause like, it seems like every guy wants hey. to be Jon Snow. Hey, don't take okay, my all right. thunder. All right, go ahead. So favorite, favorite GOTs. Well, Jon Snow. Uh, <laughs> why? Because he sulks really well. Oh, Good old I kid here. Jon Snow. Why? I love when he wears that big, huge coat and he looks all scary and good-looking. You just like his character arc, or do you like the way he looks, or just the way he doesn't talk a lot? He's, he's so, that typical he, brooding man that women are attracted honorable, to. Honorable, but he's not a pansy. Like mm -hmm. he does what has to be done. 
He's a reluctant leader, so he's you know he's like, not an egotist. He's like his quote-unquote father. He's mm-hmm. like Eddard Stark. Has a lot of the same. His quasi father, apparently. I said quote unquote. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I really love Jon Snow. Let's see. I really also liked Marjorie. Yeah, Marjorie Tyrell. Tyrell. She yeah. was. If you guys don't know, she was the wife. Well, she was married to three different kings, right? Yes. Renly Baratheon, and then Joffrey, and then her grandma off to Joffrey because that's a good grandma, right? You don't want mm-hmm. your granddaughter to be married to a beast like Joffrey. And then she was the one married to Tommen. Yep. Yeah. Why did you like her? I thought she was very queenly. And I mean, you find out later on that she does things on purpose to be seen as queenly, you know? Um, She's playing I, the game. She is playing the game and she plays it very, very well. And I really like that. She's smart. She knew what was going to happen when b- before that big explosion happened. I hate to spoil it for you if you haven't seen it, yeah, but, but she knew something was off and she couldn't do anything about it. She tried to save him, but she couldn't do anything about I it. I think she has a good heart. I think so she loves I. her brother and I think she was going to love Tom Ann. And so she's like, yeah, I think she's kind of like the ideal queen and like Cersei and unlike Danny. And I don't mean to bash Danny, but I'm not a big fan of, of Danny, but that's a separate issue. So anyone I else? I was. You she were. was my she was my favorite for a long time until the most recent season. You think she's gonna get it all with her nephew? They're, I they hope had some not. smoldering heat in the cave. They did, but Jorah is my ship for her. Yeah, Jorah is great. I love Jorah. Yeah. Uh, my favorite carriages, I like all the, the guys who are all into the machinations and the maneuvering. So in that Facebook post, I put that I related most to Tyrion just because when I was a fat child, um, you know, you get ridiculed and everybody thinks that you're you're kind of useless. And so I kind of related to Tyrion. But I like I like Varys, I like Littlefinger, and I like Tyrion. Because you like the puppet masters. The puppet masters because I think they're fascinating how they can just stay in power and they play people against each other so well and and they're just my favorite i love little finger i love the actor for little finger that, that kind of voice he has like sansa <laughs> he just sansa. sounded just like him you need to do that sansa <laughs> i love him Tyrion, a great greatest lines like so wise he's incredible and there's a lot of minor characters you know everyone loves brian of tarth of you know course. there's just so many great characters but I, I just i would say those three yeah, yeah. all right well yeah. you did mention who you related the most to you didn't I, I rate, relate the most to Catelyn Stark. Yeah, you like Caitlin? Why yeah. do you like her? Well, she's a mother at heart, and she's not an evil mm, mother. Yeah, that red <laughs> wedding ending when she's screaming, it's save terrifying. my boy, save him. It's so sad, so and sad. And then they just slash her throat. In the yeah. book, she comes back as like some zombie that, that wreaks havoc and revenge. I know. Yeah, but that's what I heard. All right, so go to question number two. This is an easy one. What's your favorite season of the year and why? I love fall. Mm. I'm from Utah. Mm-hmm. Central, uh, yeah, Utah. The beehive state. <laughs> and um, during the fall, the leaves all change colors and the weather turns cold. And every single fall, my family goes camping. In fact, they're planning it right now on our family text message thread. They're all talking about the camp- the summer camping trip. And I'm just like crying every time I read it because I don't get to go. But that's I love fall. It's the best. Fall starts here in what? December 20th? <laughs> Fall is never, <laughs> fall is like 30 minutes of one day. Yeah. It's yeah. like, oh, wow, it's a little brisk. And then for us, <laughs> fall is when that first cold front comes in, like in late October, that drops <laughs> the highs to 80. I would have to agree. Fall is my favorite season. It's for different reasons. It's football season. I'm, I'm, and I love football. 
And I also like English soccer. So that starts up around that time. And I like fantasy football. And also it's just the anticipation of the major holidays, the cooler weather. You get to pull out your sweaters. You get to drink chai tea and hot chocolate, stuff like that. And it's just looking forward to Halloween, Thanksgiving, and Christmas. Yeah. Also, I, even though we joke about being teachers and crying that we have to go back to school, I am, I get so excited about school supplies and the smell of pencils and I love school supplies and I love back to school. It's, yeah, that's another reason I love fall. Yeah. I think, I think fall is a great time. All right. Let's go to the third one here out of ballet, opera, musicals, and the symphony. How would you rank those in in terms of your favorites or most wanting to go to see? And I think I think I know the top answer here. Of course, you know the top answer. Musicals. Yes, okay. musicals. So rank these. Ballet. Like those are so far and above the others. I'm sorry. I know you're more about the fine arts. The but... fine arts. <laughs> so how would you rank? Okay. So, well, first of all, why musicals? Why do you like musicals? They're energetic and easy to follow. I don't know. The music is fun, and you can sing and dance to it. I love musicals. Now, to mention, she just went to see Adina Menzel. (laughs) It was so funny to see her face when Adina was on. She loved Adina. She was singing that 5,400 Days of Some... What's that song from Rent? (laughs) Oh, I'm not going to say. Clearly, I don't watch any musicals. I So, well, let's rank these before I I talk. Musicals are my number one. Yeah. Then I recently went to the symphony, and Mm -hmm. that was wonderful as well. Mm. I really enjoyed that. So that would be my next, um, probably ballet next and then opera. Mm. Have you been to an opera? Yes. You have. Yeah. I would say operas first. I thought you would say that. I, well, but you know, musicals come from operas and operettas. I just like not knowing what they're saying. And I think they're just the the old original art form. I just love the costumes. I love the the Italian. Typically, most of them are sung in Italian, like the old the old Puccini's and the old Verdi operas. I just I don't know. I just like the 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 pageantry of them. And of course, they all at the end everybody dies. You know, very Shakespearean. If you look at pretty much Aida, Madame Butterfly, she dies at the end. La Boheme. Um, I think, uh, what's her face dies? Mimi dies of tuberculosis. Not that any of these are spoilers since these operas have been around 150 years, but they're all very tragic. I would go there. Musicals are fun. I, I, I went to see Phantom. I've only really seen one musical. Yeah. Because my family really wasn't into musicals. So, uh, they were more into opera. My dad used to play opera in the house. Like How did op- you enjoy Phantom though? I thought it was fine. I mean, I kind of knew the the plot because one of my favorite actresses is, uh, what's her name? The the brunette that was in the movie with Gerard Butler. Yeah. She's in Shameless now. I can't. I can't. Oh, pretty girl. Brunette. Yeah. Anyway, so I kind of knew what the plot was about, but I thought it was great. And any anytime there's a live performance, you have to give them kudos, even it's if it's... That one especially is amazing, how they can move the candelabras up and down and make you feel like they're taking you down into the cave. It is beautiful. Phantom is beautiful. I down. did see Phantom in, in London, in the West End, I think. So it was elaborate. It, it was good. It was, it, it was good. I enjoyed it. But I would probably have to go still opera, ballet, 
musical symphony, unless it's a symphonic piece that I know. If it's a piece that I know and love, then I'd probably move that to number two. But the symphony is great because you can just close your eyes and just listen to the music, let it wash over you and try not to fall asleep. <laughs> the symphony that I went to, there was a, a, a cellist that played mm, yeah. and she just got so into it. Her face was like going crazy and it was so beautiful to see her so into her craft. It was, I loved it. And I'm not like really into that Mm -hmm. type of music. Um, as much as you are, I know you really enjoy classical music, but I, cause I'm old. I <laughs> That's what all people like. <laughs> I enjoy it and too. I like but, my Boniva and Ensure But drinks. you know, all of the names you'll tell me if it comes on the radio. Yeah. But anyway, but she, just watching her do what she loves to do, what she's so passionate about, it made me feel good. So if any of you like classical music, there's that show on Amazon called Mozart in the jungle, which is a, it's a, it's a great little kind of dramedy. Uh, but it's really immersed in a, in an orchestra, so it's it's great stuff. So I would recommend that you watch that if you like that kind of stuff. Anything else, Kate? I don't think so. All right. So until next time, guys, take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to Naturopathic Essentials with Kate McCall. Please visit her website at naturopathicearth.com visit her Facebook page at Naturopath Earth, friend her on Facebook, and follow her on Twitter and Instagram at Kate McCall underscore NPE. Please post a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this and spread the word about the benefits of naturopathy. And please remember our motto at Naturopathic Earth, let food be thy medicine, let nature be thy healer. Until next time.